Welcome to the Bay Area's Unforgivable Podcast. Unscripted conversations discussing trending hot topics. Crazy, crazy natural discussions that'll have you in awe. In fact, they'll be unforgivable. And now, please welcome your hosts, Cedric, Craig, and Dave. Hello to everyone tuning in. This is the Unforgivable Podcast with your host, Dave. I'm Cedric. As we discuss hate crimes today, we decided to do something different and cross over with the ladies of Uniquely Me Podcast. Ladies, you'd like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Tishneem. Hi, I'm Tangine. All right. Thank you guys for inviting us. Thank you guys for having Uniquely Me um, over to talk about this important issue that we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. Yes, no problem. Um, When most people hear, no, stop Asian hate, the first thing that comes to their mind is lineage being from China. And as you're Southeast Asian, would you like to give a detail how this also affects your community? Well, I think that so since COVID-19 started, most of the hate or most of the backlash has been going towards the East Asian community, in my perspective, because the virus, like, we hear in the news and even like our former president would be like it's the chinese virus and which is such a wrong thing to say because it's the covid virus but you know he is discriminating against a country and full of a citizen where the virus came from but the virus could be started anywhere i mean like for example there's a new strain of covid virus in the uk but nobody's calling it you know the uk virus you know so i'm just saying that like the virus is come. the racism is coming from that country and those people and the people here are associating with those people, the East Asians, just because of what someone said and what so many people are saying. And that kind of perpetuates more racism. And since like they associate the, you know, COVID-19 virus with China, with East Asian, they don't really associate, you know, that with South Asian because, you know, it didn't come from there or like, whatever like you know what they're seeing is not what they're getting basically so i think that's where like i think east asian are more prone to getting racism depends on what's going on in the community or what is someone saying at that time i don't know if that's me mm-hmm. with me on that note oh no i definitely i definitely agree with her on that i feel like the whole virus thing has kind of taken it out of proportion the whole racism bit of it um and with the reports you know um with the kind of reports that we see now is getting it's it's pretty much out of hand and it's it's a scary thought um in fact um you know the kind of we did have an episode with one of the journalists um i don't know tanjin if you remember she was mentioning how much hate crime had increased and she actually transcribes these hate crime you know like she does like she works around those kind of topics so you know she she knew the in and outs of it, but without getting into details, it's just kind of like you realize now that the whole virus has kind of unleashed or, yeah, unleashed a whole level of, you know, racism on East Asians right now. And it's it's kind of like really sad to see that. It is, but also I like to mention that I think since everyone like groups, like groups us up all together, as mm. like Asia as a whole. So they tend to forget like other Asians as part of Asia. So like the South Asians. Mm-hmm. So I kind of sometimes feel like East um East Asians racism should get reported. Like that's what I'm saying. Like they like they're more racism in that 
like group for sure. But there's also racism in South Asian group as well, but which I feel like it doesn't get reported because like, I feel like people tend to forget about us. I don't know if that's what it seems, but I feel like we're all often tend to be forgotten about when it comes to these things. I mean, like a long time ago, like around like the early, um, like the late 90s and the early 2000s, um, there was racism against South Asian community when, regarding 9-11 and the whole mm-hmm. racism against Muslim and some lot of South a lot of South Asians are Muslims. So there was that at that one point, but like now that that isn't a problem anymore because, you know, people know the racism against Islam, like Islamophobia was a thing now. So so we kind of basically got, it got better, basically. I'd say as years went by, racism against South Asians and especially in the Muslim community did get, you know, better that people started respecting us more and, you know, started understanding what Islam is and stuff like that. So now this new thing, which is COVID-19, is now affecting the East East Asian community. So we should talk about that um, because like that is what's happening now. But there are like few crimes, like what happened, like I think last week about with the Sikhs, right, Stephanie? Um, No, just a few days ago. Just a few days ago, the FedEx, the FedEx incident. So you know, uh, it it has been reported by Vice. I I, I was reading an article by Vice that there were four Sikh people who actually were killed uh, during this. Uh, yeah, and you know, it was it it was it was they they are suspecting that it was based on bias, um, biasness as well. So like, um, it has really affected the community. Um, recently, I have read an article. I don't know if you've come across that video where they talk about this Uber driver who was, I think, he was from he was from a South Asian country, and this girl she kind of coughed at him. She refused to wear a mask and things like that, and you know there was like a big news about it. So even that. To an extent, you could say was like a South Asian, uh, you know, um, racism issue. Um, besides that, you know, I have been personally hearing from my family members that you know, in certain cities where they live at, that there is a rise in um, a lot of racist attacks. Um, I have heard like you know, a girl being pushed onto the tracks things like that or trying to be pushed under tracks or something you know in the last i think you could say that happened last year um but you know it really affects the community it really shakes up the community and you know like uh, as being people of color uh, in general a mm-hmm. woman of color it can really be a big concern um no matter you know who you are it can be you know um and that is the kind of thing i want to really put across yeah it's crazy because the one about the uber driver actually happened in our area so oh really yeah oh oh my god uh i watched the video and i was so um, affected by it because i was like nobody should be treating someone like this oh Um, no nobody nobody deserves to be treated like this and it's kind of really mean to be treating someone like this. Actually, that video hit home for me because my dad used to be a taxi driver before the pandemic. So I was just like, what if like my dad was still a taxi driver during the pandemic and someone did that to him? Like, I would be so scared because that's it's a scary situation to be in. 
And also, like, I don't want my dad to get sick. Like, I don't know what she has because she wasn't wearing a mask. So she may have a strand of COVID in her. Like, who knows? Because, you know, you can get COVID without having the symptoms and everything. So mm-hmm. I, it just brought home, like, it hit so home for me that I was just like, I kind of kind of didn't want my dad to go out ever again after that. But he was like, you know, things happen. Like, you got to be brave. Like, it's okay. I'll be fine. But it's like, but the thing about that Pacific incident was it was trying like people were trying to determine if it was a hate crime or not or it's just a woman who refused to wear a mask so it mm. so it was just like a weird situation to be in because like people are trying to determine if it was a hate crime because like it seems like she just didn't want to wear a mask so she was just lashing out on the driver but like so the, like proving that was a hate crime was like another like you know another ordeal that you know that you know prosecutors and lawyers have to go through to prove that it is which takes forever to do i think this is why like many prosecutors are sometimes reluctant to like you know trial hate crimes just to you know get like the idea of proving that it's a hate crime is just so hard i think that's what it is so do you think mm-hmm. that crime bill would do any effect or how do you guys feel about the crime bill that was passed this week um you're gonna ask like how we feel about the crime that happened this past week oh no the um the crime bill um this past week it was passed by i believe the senate where oh, it- yeah, i remember that bill i think i i know ted cruz um i like voted against the bill and i'm just like oh ted cruz um <laughs> sorry i just that man and but like i'm just so mad that there were eight like official there were more than eight probably but there were like these eight officials that voted against the bill for like you know for anti-hate crimes like you know and i'm just like it's not it's a no-brainer you want to protect people who are living in your country why are you voting against an act or a bill that can help you know protect these people and like they should be all protected i mean we're all like we're all americans even if we're not americans there are immigrants here that should be protected because you know it's all about safety and people living here you don't want america to be deemed as unsafe country so why not pass a bill where it can protect people from hate crimes yeah. Do you think the hate crime will have any good, like, will actually improve the situation? Or you think it was just something thrown out there to just say, oh, okay, we're trying? Hmm. Um, it's a very tricky question. I'm a good one. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like if I would say it might be useful because there's a rise in cases of, you know, hate crime. But then I'm more of a person who wants to see results. So even if they have passed an act, I want to see what they're doing with it. Um, just passing a bill or an act or something is not something that I'm going to get really, really hopeful on because that is the first step. What is the next step? Are you going to work on it? What are you going to do? Um, so I kind of think that I would want to take a look at the next one or two months and see how it actually works out in terms of COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act. Okay, well, I just checked online, it's six senators, but that's not the point. The point is, like, if the bill would punish people from actually inflicting harm on the Asian community. So, mm-hmm. like, it's like, say, having a bill is one thing, but following that bill, making sure, exactly. you know, they, you know, punish those people committing those crimes. Like, is that going to happen? Or it's mm. just like a tap on, you know, it's, it's like, you know, a smack in the hand, be like, okay, this is your first warning. You know, if you do this again we're going to punish you then like how are they going to use this you know bill to you know decrease you know decrease um asian hate 
or basically decrease hate crimes in the area. So that's basically my question. Mm-hmm. Like, is it gonna work? That's the question I'm gonna have. Because like, because why having a bill is one thing, but following through that bill and like having it and like you know, making sure that people do get punished for committing hate crimes, like that's another thing. So we just have to see how it goes for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the issues I have anytime I, I hear about um, um, a new legislation being passed is it, it always brings me back to. Um, and just speaking from a historical standpoint, being a, you know, a black man, um, thinking about the 13th Amendment, you know, which um, in theory, you know, abolished slavery. Also thinking about the 14th Amendment, um, things like that. There was a book that um, an author named Michelle Alexandria wrote called The New Jim Crow, where she talks about how oftentimes there'd be like these sort of political ruse, right? So these things that are kind of put into play to kind of distract people from what's actually going on, right? Because one of the things that she noted was even though um, these laws were put into play to sort of protect uh, Black people, yeah, uh, the only thing that happened was um, the government and other entities found ways, loopholes, basically um, other ways of right. um, in, incriminating African-Americans, right? So the things of like, um, minor charges for um, possession of marijuana, right? Which, which created a whole new cycle of um, now you have this black kid who um, can't get a job for something as simple of you know having a small amount of, of marijuana on them. Now they have a record. Now they can't get a job. Now they can't feed their family. Now they become desperate. And what happens when a person feels desperate? And you have to feed your family, and you have a sick parent at home. You know, it, it just becomes a cycle. No, I honestly, because I did read about, I read, I read about the new Jim Crow in my Urban Dynamics class, because um, he made sure that we were aware of what's going on in our community and what are these new laws that, you know, that seems helpful but aren't. But like, for example, like when the 13th Amendment passed, which, you know, freed slaves, but like there was still discrimination against them. I mean, like in the 60s, they, like they were separate. There was segregation, basically, like African-American kids can't even go to white schools, vice versa. There were segregation, like, you know, then, but now as you, you know, progress further into our society, there is a minor segregation in socioeconomic classes, if you think about it. So I think there's like minor things that does keep people like in basically in classes or like fraction based on race, but it's just a little things based on like the laws or like whatever's going on in that community or even with socioeconomics. That's how I kind of feel. Absolutely. 100% agree. I'm just wondering, so have, have either you personally experienced any sort of, um, of racism or prejudice, um, especially given like everything that's been going on in the world and um, all the recent hate hate crimes um, that have been been going on? Um, hmm. I have to say, I think for most part of my life, I've been fortunate enough not to. Yeah. That. I mean, there is like minor things when I was a child. I mean, I feel like kids say the darnest or sometimes meanest thing. I think one of the things I, you know, was in my ninth grade English, I think it was my ninth grade history class. And we were watching a documentary about um, the partition, which was basically um, basically a war between India and Pakistan and then separating. And it was about Gandhi. And so I think one of the, like, one of the scenes in, um, one of the scenes in the movie was uh, I think like these um, Indian um, these Indian citizens were saying like kill Muslims kill Muslims because it was like 
a basically a war against religion. And so after the after we ended the movie, I think my some of my classmates thought it was going to be funny to chant that out, and I was. I, I felt some type of way. I was like, "What is happening?" But the girl who was, was the girl who was dancing now was Muslim herself, and I was just like, "Cause she's the one who started." I'm like, "Honey, you're Muslim yourself. What are you doing?" But like, <laughs> they just walked out chanting that, and the teacher didn't say anything. And I'm just like, "Um, okay." But I talked to her after school about it. I was like, "Um, this what happened in class?" She was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I did not notice. Cause like when the bell is off, like things are happening." So you're not aware of what's going on. You're just going to your next class. So like she was like, I will talk to them. This will never happen again. But like I'm just like that was such a weird moment in my life that that happened, and I cannot believe it happened because it sounds so funny when I say it. I think it's funny now when I'm talking about it. But I'm just like, really, that really happened. Like, <laughs> but unfortunately, I other than that, I did not experience racism really. I mean, I know some of my friends who grew up in the East. Um, East Asian, even in South Asian community, they will bring food. Like they will bring food from their culture, and like kids will be just being so mean about it. They're like, "Ew, what is that? It smells funny." And basically, I mean, they don't. Kids don't even know what racism is unless they're taught that. So like, it's so basically they're learning it from somebody if they're saying a food is gross or something like that, or they just don't know that they're being racist because they're kids at the end of the day, and they're just you know say whatever comes to their mind, be like, ew, that's gross. Why do you have these food? And like the East Asian child and the South Asian child will feel bad about it, and like they don't know what to do, and they will stop bringing food from their home because they feel embarrassed about it.、Mm -hmm. So I heard those type of like racism like growing up as a child, but other than that, as an adult. Fortunately enough, I did not experience racism, and you know I'm blessed for it. I think I'm like, like I feel bad for people who have, but I feel like so far I'm blessed that I haven't been in those type of situation. I don't know、mm -hmm. about you, Justine. Yeah, same here. Um, actually, I I've been here for like a little over um nearly a year and a half. Um, the only experience I had once was. I was standing downstairs in my building, and I was talking to my uncle, who came to visit me. And、uh, somebody just came in, and you know, was passing by early in the morning, seven in the morning, and is going like, "Oh, you guys should go back to your country." And、oh、we both、God. were just looking at the person, and we're like, "Ah,、uh, okay." And that person, you know, just went like, "Oh, you guys should go back to your countries. Why are you here?"、Um, but I mean. You know that was the only encounter I had,、um, but you know my family is like, you know, you should not pay heed to all this. It's okay, just let it go.、Um, so I feel like you know, and especially you know, if you're a woman and you're by yourself, usually if you're heading out by yourself and you know you don't want to confront the person,、um, I think the the best way to combat it is just to, to just walk past by like you didn't hear. Um, so I used that, but that was the only experience I had. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Someone told me that. I think I would. I'm 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 a little different from Justine personality-wise, and I'm more like you. Like, you mean where? You mean Pennsylvania? You want me to go back? To <laughs> and then my mom. That's why my parents are always be careful with me. I think they're just like she says anything, and she's like I'm more of like feel my wrath kind of person. So、mm. they're just like please be careful because you tend to say things 
that comes out of your mind and you know if someone like comes after you you could try to come at them <laughs> yeah yeah respected like respected like you can't disrespect me like that just because you assume i'm from another country even if i am from another country you should not disrespect me like that so yeah exactly and you know like when i told my cousins about my experience and they were so mad at me they were like how could you just allow somebody to talk to you like that and my cousins are americans like they were born here so they were like oh my god i, I would have like think this way <laughs> it is. i think we're from other like east asian and south asian people i think some kids are privileged to think that way that like if someone says something to them they could say something back without mm-hmm. fear I think that yeah. be like taught or engraved in their head somehow. I don't know how these <laughs> kids are different, but like I guess based on experience and privilege, I guess for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I I hope that kind of like gives you an overview about both of us. Yeah. Um, nice. You know the interesting thing about racism sometimes I've noticed is that. Um, So I didn't really learn about, you know, the whole concept of microaggressions till I got a little bit older. But I know like growing up, it can it was a little challenging to identify, right? Like I uh <laughs> I remember in high school I had an internship at this law firm that was predominantly more predominantly white, excuse me. And I remember um on my first day kind of giving a, a tour of the office and being introduced to one of the um litigation attorneys at the firm. And so the office manager was saying, "Yeah, this is Cedric. He's going to be interning with us for the summer. Um just, you know, here's his number. Let let him know if there's anything that you can do." And his response is, "Oh yeah, I have I have a few things he can do. He can take out my trash, he can do my laundry." And yeah, I know I was like, "Wow. Okay. Wow. All right. This is how we're starting to starting the day off." Um and it but it wasn't until later on that that day after I'd gotten off work um, that I and, and I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that where you kind of went home or took some took some negative energy home with you and later on you thought like was this was he trying to be disrespectful or was he joking like i can't really yeah. tell oh yeah oh my god <laughs> so so speaking of microaggressions that is something that i have faced um on a lot of in a lot of situations for example a given example i'm a bangladeshi right so like whenever i would end up talking in english or um in hindi which is you know an indian the indian language that they use um and i speak very fluently in those languages right mm-hmm. people would be like oh you you bangladeshi you don't sound like one and i'm like what the how am i supposed to sound sound like one oh my god how am i supposed to sound <laughs> they would look at me and say oh you don't look like a bangladeshi and i'm like uh um uh how am i supposed to look because i'm 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 fair skinned i'm aware about that but somebody telling me that i don't look like a bangladeshi which is you know bangladesh has majority brown skinned people but yeah. even telling us that that kind of gets disrespectful um and then there were cases where my name my name is more arab than mm. a bangladeshi name a, you know stereotypical name as they say so there were times in my life where i had to justify why my parents named me an arab name and they would be like no your name you're not bangladeshi you're arab and i'm like i'm not arab my parents kept that name for me and they're like oh okay but you speak really good english and i'm like sir please understand i lived abroad all my life i did not 
<laughs> and I was just like, I felt like I had to explain myself again and again. And I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to explain myself. So, yeah, I think the, these kind of microaggressions kind of like put you off. Um, well, yeah, so. I did not have that many microaggressions that Tassin did. But one of them I can know, I know that like people would assume I'm not Bengali. I think from the way they look at me, um, like, for example, when I used to work at Popeyes, um, one of the branches, um, and like everyone would just come up to me speaking in Spanish because it's okay. I mean, I guess I look Latin, which is fine. I mean, you know, Latin girls are so pretty, so it's fine. So, but they would just come up to me and start speaking Spanish and I'm just be like, I'm so sorry. I'm not that fluent in Spanish. And they would just get mad at me because I'm not fluent in Spanish, but I'm just like, I'm so sorry that I'm not Latin. I don't know what to tell you guys. Like I'm Bengali and they're like, you don't look Bengali. I was like, but I am. They're like, are you sure? I was like, what do you mean? I'm sure. Like, it's like a weird concept how you have to like confirm your identity to somebody. And while they're kind of questioning your identity and it's just like a weird dynamic to be in because you're just like, I'm fully sure because I knew this for the rest of my life. But why are you questioning me since you just met me? I feel like people question the way I talk. So people, you know, you talk like a white person. I'm like, you know, I've been black my whole life and you're sitting here debating with me. Like, what, what is it? What does it mean to talk white? Yeah, you know, what I, does it mean? <laughs> oh my, my god, that is so weird. My friend actually, he got the same What does thing. that mean? Someone told him he sounds white and he was like, how does a black person sound like? You tell me. And I was just like, oh my god. I started laughing. <laughs> you, you tell them. You told them. Because like, what does it mean to sound black? Like, who are you to tell me what should a person sound like? Right. Based on race, basically. Like, yeah, like for me, it's like a puzzle because people see my name like, oh, he's Hispanic. <laughs> And then they hear me talk and it's like, oh, okay, okay. Especially if it's a phone interview. It's like, okay, come in for round two. And then when I get there, they're like so shocked. You're like, whoa, we expect you to look like that kind of look. And like, <laughs> they won't say it, but it's like, you can just read it in their eyes. Like, oh, he's not getting a call back. But it's just like, you can just tell. Because like when I was younger, I used to always lie and say I was Hispanic on applications just to match my name, just to get in there. But then I realized, you know, that's not going to work. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go, like, be honest with myself. Because either way, they're going to see me eventually. I mean, it might work now that, you know, everything's on Zoom. And there's no in, not that many in-person interviews. So, you know, you can cut the camera off. <laughs> <laughs> I was have to turn the camera off. Angle it differently. Change the shade a little. The tent. Put a filter on. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> do that. You might be able to pull it off. Who knows? <laughs> so me and my East Asian friends, we were talking about, uh, like, she's Korean and I'm, like, Bengali, but we were talking about, like, basically, like, being a token minority, like, you know, like, she was like, I feel like she, like, we were talking about this internship that we're trying to get into, she was like, do you think they're gonna accept me because, you know, like, they need an Asian? I'm like, I hope not, because, like, it's like... <laughs> I was like, I hope they don't accept me because you're Asian. It's like, but I'm their Asian token. Like, what do you think? And I'm just like, okay, okay yes, they have my for sure. But like, I don't think they're gonna like be proud of your work, honey. And she was like, I'm Asian. I'm like, oh my god, we're not doing this again. So like, we would talk about like different companies that like why they're accepting you. And some she always resorts back to being because they need an Asian. That's why. And I'm just like, that's not it. But if it is, take that job because you need a job. Like the end of the day, be like, you are hiring me because you're I'm Asian. That's why. I'm just like, honey, you need a job. Like, I don't know what else are you gonna do. <laughs> I, I'm cool with that. Hard. 
I don't mind being the quota. Yeah. Random quota acting, you know, I'll be the token. I got bills. Yeah. How much an hour? Oh, yeah. That's what I told her. And she was like, really? You really want to do that? I was like, yeah, I need money. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I will be a quota. I'll find with it. I mean, my work should prove for themselves. That's what I Yeah. Think. They take me as a quota. I will show them why they hired me in the first place other than being a quota. But, you know, so different people have different opinions about these things, which I... Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, like, I think I'm going to say it last, like, um, we can move on from there. Like, um, as I was applying <laughs> to schools, as I was applying to schools abroad, right? Um, there were funny things that I had to hear. Like, they would say things like, oh, you got selected because you're a brown person. And I'm like, so you mean to say that my 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 work, my grades, nothing kind of matters? Like, the only fact that they would just want to highlight the fact that they have, like, a POC like a person of color in the in the cohort like what are you trying to say and I don't know how to process that kind of response I'm like okay <laughs> a lot of people would come and tell me like oh you got selected somewhere because of just because of your identity and I would be like what about somebody's qualifications what about somebody's talent what about somebody's um you know integrity um and the kind of work that they do but I think there's still a long way to go to learn all these things and not sure. not bring up these kind of things. Um, so yeah, people are bold, right? Somebody said that to you. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. People have said these kind of things. What? The? They they would say like, yeah. "Oh, you got selected because blah blah blah," and I'm like, "Okay." I I think they don't. I think they don't realize that it's kind of racist or it's kind of, yeah it's kind of weird <laughs> to say these kind of things um, um but no there was this episode on fam family reunion which is on netflix and i love that show and they talked about how like this character her name is jade got this fashion designer um basically she got this award for fashion designing or she got selected to be a fashion designer other than her you know friend who is, happens to be white and her white friend was like the only reason you got it because you're black and i was just like no she did not say that to jade and that <laughs> <laughs> and like but she probably, like, in the end of the episode, like, she apologized, be like, I shouldn't have said that. I was just very insecure about my work. You deserve it because of your work and everything. I'm so sorry. But, it's, and, like, Jade forgave her. I think also, like, having the ability to forgive somebody for saying that rude, co like, rude comment mm. is such a big thing. Because, you know, some people are not that forgiving. So having that open-mindedness to be like, you made a mistake, that's totally fine. And for them to learn from that mistake, I think is another, like, level of, you know, trying to, you know, be united mm -hmm. in a weird way. I'll say that. So I have a question for both of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we studied all these hate crimes and the, the predominant victims are mostly elder the elderly and younger women. Mm -hmm. So why do you think this? From my top of my head, I feel like, I don't know why, I feel like it's elderly because they assume that an older person, I, I feel like model minority is like a thing I'm gonna say right now. And like, I feel like, like a lot of people tend to represent model minority to older generation of Asians, because like that, those type of Asians usually are quiet about things and usually tend to, you know, we to be like, you know, like not talk to cops about things. Now I wanna co do conflict. Now I wanna, you know, make sure like this conflict is going on any further. They're 
more of like it happened mm. let's move on from it because they don't want anybody to get in trouble they don't want to get in trouble themselves they're also exactly for themselves on what's going to happen next if they talk to cops about this are they going to get attacked again that's the question they have in their head because mm-hmm. uh, i think it's just because of like a person like attacking someone who's elderly has to do with the sign of strength and weakness so in their mind the person who is doing the attack they can be like this person is weak so why not like so they have idea like it's okay to attack them because it's easy to do it i think that's their thought process and for an elderly person that's you know victim who's a victim they're just like if i report this will i get attacked again what's gonna happen that uncertainty brings them fear i guess i think that's why i think elderly general like elderly agents are getting attacked for that reason but also like they're not reporting that attack because they're afraid to do it go on yeah for, for me i would say that elderly women or even younger women for that matter are main targets because i feel like they think that they're the easy targets they could just do anything and get away with it because with the elderly women as tanjin just mentioned they just want to avoid conflict they don't want to take it to the police they don't want to like talk about it and stuff and equally even though um our generation i would say the people of within our age gap are more active and are more proactive and are aware about these kind of things i feel like younger women sometimes when they face these kind of situations they do kind of sometimes shut uh, shut off um themselves to just avoid conflict um and i think it's nothing to do with you know um just going and complaining or anything it's just because sometimes it takes so much to process trauma um and the incident i feel like they kind of go numb and that's what kind of makes them more prone to facing such attacks and i definitely feel that people don't randomly just go to a person and attack someone they definitely understand that this person is scared or this person is not aware and that's how they kind of attack all of a sudden and you know i mean they know what they're doing definitely oh yeah for sure they know what they're doing yeah yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. i think she got attacked um i think like this man like attacked her in the face and like and she was just walking to like a grocery store or back to her home and like he just came and just hit her in the face and she fell down and i'm just like i mean obviously like during that time there like you don't hit somebody just because you're definitely planning to hit somebody if you're going to run up to her and hit her you know it was it the one that you're talking about the lobby one the one think, that they caught the yeah yeah that was yeah yeah mhm Yeah so like I, she's definitely right it does come with some sort of plan because you just don't you know attack somebody like that for the heck like for the heck of it you know like it does yeah. have some sort of like mind and understanding be like she's not going to complain about like she's not going to report me or it's like she is you know weak enough not to fight back so I'm going to you know like you just it's just you, it's like a slight moment you think about it and you do go for it I think that's how the thought process would be for somebody who's trying to commit these crimes I don't know mm-hmm. like I'm like this is becoming like a criminology class. But I think that yeah. this is what I think. Um but I feel like the only reason why it doesn't get reported often is just because to avoid conflict cuz they want to live here. They want to like assimilate. I think it's the right word to use. I think they want to like assimilate to their community, their, you know, their surroundings. So the best way to do that is to keep to yourself and go on with your life. I think that's like what they sometimes will think about, you know, when you know trying to keep the hush hush in these things. Interesting. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up about you know, the psychology of it and just 
Like, why exactly are you attacking these people? Like, it's not going to help stop the spread of the virus. Like, what's what's your uh, objective here with attacking these old, these elder folks and these women? But, like, have you noticed that, like, the, the, the new COVID vaccine is started in the UK. But, like, no, but they're, like, everyone, like, every British person I know is fine. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, like, I'm not saying, like, anybody should get hurt because they're British. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying, like... <laughs> <laughs> New strain of vaccine that the one that people are actually really dying from is in UK. But like, but do you see any like, you know, UK person in the United States getting you know racism against them? No, because you can't tell who is from the UK unless they speak, and everyone's wearing masks, so you don't even talk to people anymore. So I'm just saying, it's just like, does it have to do with race at this point? Yes, most likely. <laughs> like. The only reason why East Asians are getting attacked for COVID is because, like, that's where it came from. That's what people assume. So, like, and because, like, we had, you know, famous influential leaders to be like, oh, yeah, hate on the Asian because that's where the virus came from. You know, I mean, Donald, President Trump, former President Trump, called it the China virus. So, like, that's going to stimulate more hate. That's going to create more hate. So, like, you don't have that going on with the new virus. So, I'm just saying, so everything has to be based on race at this point, if you think about it. Yeah, the very unfortunate thing is uh, people are subject or they, they sometimes fall victim to their own ignorance. And uh, oftentimes I've, I've learned that uh, watching... You know, Watching the news sometimes or paying attention to the media can can be an excellent way to become uh, uninformed <laughs> on a situation. Yeah, sure. I have a question for you guys, actually. I was watching this news on ABC News Live, and it's about these two couple uh, who are African-American, and they were going to to the store um, to meet with somebody like to help them with their food truck and so the husband couldn't make it so the wife went and the guy who was there pulled out a gun for her like he was about to commit he was going to cre um, create a hate crime and he like pulled out like basically pulled the gun and pulled the gun up to the wife and started threatening her and she called her husband and because she was so scared and her husband came and then the husband basically somehow like stopped the guy and like basically got the guy down. And the wife had a moment where like, should she call the cops or not? Cause you know, all the shootings that have been going on with African-American men, for, for example, and even younger African-American men, like she was afraid, like what if like her husband got shot in this process? So like going, like speaking of this, like what is your mind through that process? Like when to call, like, like the, are you like, it's like the ability, like the fear just to call cops because you don't know what's going to happen. I guess that's my question. That husband sounds like Batman. Like, I don't know. <laughs> what's wrong? Literally? He just came and wrestles the guy and takes the gun. Like, he sounds like he got superpowers. That's that's like, some Captain America stuff to do. Like, I. His mind was like, I got to protect my girl. So that's what he did. And so, like, when the police came in, she was like, please don't shoot my husband. My husband is African-American. Like, do please don't shoot him. And so the cops slowly came in and got the white guy and basically took him away. But, like, she had to say all that, which was, like, you know, because she didn't know what was going to happen. Because, like, this is our life now. Because, you know, nobody stops and be like, oh, wait, who is the one who's committing crime anymore? You know? So I just wanted to get your opinions about that. You know, what do you think about it? interesting there is some type of hesitation though with calling the police you know as african-american because there were some cases where you know i think someone was getting their house broken into and they called the police and they thought that that they were breaking into their own home like they were trying to arrest them like no i called y'all 
because someone's trying to break it in my house. So, like, as an African-American, it's like, do I handle the situation myself or get the authorities involved? So, I, I don't know. I, I think, in my opinion, the best way to, to go about situa situations like that is to just go through the, the proper channels. And it's unfortunate, but I do think that there are some situations that warrant police being involved. Right? Like, I, I watched the... Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a comedian named Chris Rock, Chris Rock, and he did a stand-up where he talked about kind of a similar situation. And one of the things he said was, you know, yeah, there's a lot of tension between, you know, the police and African Americans, but um, it's hard to hate the police when you own property, right? So he's like, um, because one of the things that I try to move away from, which it, it can be challenging to do is group all police officers or all forms of law enforcement into the same bracket. Because yes, there, there are a, a numerous situations and I'll, I'll never try and defend the police department, right? But um, I myself have gone through the process of trying to become an officer for the city of Oakland. And um, I've, I've I've met some, some people who genuinely care about the community. Like I've met some people who are by all accords, like great people and great, great police officers who, who genuinely, again, like care about the work that they do, right? They're not just there to collect a paycheck. And so in the grand scheme of things, you know, if, if it's just a, this is a situation where you're trying to protect your family, right? Um, I think the best thing to do is, you know, sometimes get get the, you know, get law enforcement, law enforcement involved. Um, just trying to look at it from a big picture. It's just, in my opinion, a gamble that you may have to take. Right, because someone breaks into your house or something, you're not going to call your friends or your cousins from down the street or something, right? Like, um, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think, Dave? To add on to what Cedric said, I can't bracket them all together, especially coming from a military father who spent his entire career in law enforcement. There's going to be bad apples in no matter what career choice or what profession you see. And so I would never branch all cops together. But I have been in um, situations where I could have been that guy being handcuffed and all kind of cost. Cause there's been times where I have called and when they get there, they question me first and kind of try to turn around to me like I'm the culprit. And so this was when I was like 18, 19 years old. And for me to feel like I was the one who was trying to initiate the police to take care of action and to be called upon, it is kind of scary, especially nowadays when it seems like everyone's just trigger happy, it would make you hesitant to call the cops more often, but for me, unless my family or friends, their life is on the line, I'm gonna try to handle it myself. Because in a sad reality, you just don't know who's gonna show up. And that too, like, I think sometimes, um, anytime law enforcement, it becomes necessary for them to become involved, um, making sure that you paint a clear as picture of what happened as you possibly can, right? So, in a situation like what you described, so, you know, um, say the person had rolled up, or excuse me, say the husband had wrestled the guy and somehow got the gun away from him. And then they call the police and then the police officer, police officer show up on scene and the first thing they see is this black man with a gun in their hand, right? What's gonna be going through this officer's mind? And then I also feel sometimes too, just to take away from the police being able to push anything back on the individual, because a situation like that, Officer rolls up on scene, sees a black man with a gun in their hand. What's the ideal excuse to make? Well, I felt for my life, right? So to avoid any of that, even the potential of that even happening, again, just trying to paint like a, a, a vivid as, as picture of what 
the actions that just went down um, as you possibly can. So I think they did the right thing in that situation. The wife made sure that she engaged with law enforcement when she got on scene to explain everything that happened. Like, hey, this is what happened so that there's no need for, you know, if, if there was a situation to where, say, her husband did get shot, they can't use the excuse of I didn't know. Right. Like that's not something you can say. Why? Because my wife was on scene and she told you what happened. Right. So this is not something that you can go into a court of law and say, well, you know, I felt for my life. No, you didn't. Because I told you exactly what happened. You didn't have to guess. There was no reason to. Um, there's no other potential excuse for doing what you did because I told you what happened. Not to mention it's recorded with the dispatcher. So that's an extra witness right there for if anything backfires. Unless the dispatcher is white. It's going to be recorded, though. I <laughs> <laughs> don't care. Think about, <laughs> how do you know he's guilty? We have it on recording. But how do you know? Is that really a recording? Is it altered? That's a really good question. <laughs> it's sure, right? He's like, black people, right? Like, I um, <laughs> I saw uh, there's a TV show, Law & Order. Law um, & Order. SVU, yeah. See? Oh, Lord. <laughs> I know it, I know it's fiction, right? But there was an episode where they had a picture of this guy um, in the in the area right before he committed this crime, and but the picture was it was taken from a camera that was kind of far away, mm-hmm. and, and so he goes into the courtroom and 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 shows this picture to like the jury, and talking to the person on stand who took it and goes, "This is the picture you took, right?" And he says, "Yeah." And then he pulls out a, another picture and it's like a, a blown up, like a close up, like zoomed in version of him. And he's like, so what did you do to make this picture bigger? Well, I zoomed in and, and increased the font size or however he worded it or increased the pixel size. And he's like, so you altered the picture. <laughs> and he's like, well, I increased it. He said, so you use technology to alter how the picture looks. And somehow he got, it was like the Twinkie defense. Like he he somehow was able to convince the jury that this guy who had worked for the police department altered this picture and it wasn't really him in, in the photo. And I believe that some bullshit like that is possible to happen. Because <laughs> I, I, I've, I've heard and read some, some interesting stories where it's like, this person is obviously guilty, but yet they walked away unscathed by the justice system. Now, how does that happen? Apologize for going on a bit of a rant, but did... Did that sort of answer the question? <laughs> totally fine. No, That's I was okay. no, no, I, I all support. I'm all supportive of this program because I'm just like listening and be like, yes, like everything you said is like. And I also asked the question because I wanted to know how, like, you know, from another perspective, especially for someone who's from that community, because I've seen these things going on. So, like, hearing from somebody else, like, I'm educating myself about it. So, mm. yeah, by all means, rent if you have to, like. I mean, I do that uniquely me all the time. When they're doing yeah. I don't like, I rant about it. It does mean less me, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> you have to find a great co-host like that. Um, but yeah, no, by all means, like, I'm glad that you talked about it. Because, like, honestly, from, like, that's how we kind of form a solidarity to educate ourselves by actually. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, like, speaking of the rent show, um, I did have like comments about our show being called a ranch show. They would be like, oh, is it your ranch show that you're talking about? And I'm like, why does it have a negative connotation? Like we're trying to talk about important mm. things here. And they'd be like, yeah, but you're renting. And I'm like, 
we have the right to rant. <laughs> First Amendment. I would be like, we have the right to rant, don't we? Free speech. <laughs> Free speech. In our Bill of Rights. But also, like, sometimes to talk about an important issue, you sometimes rant. Like, isn't that, like, a given? Like, to talk about something important, you've got to go on and on, and it's going to become, like, a rant. I don't know how else can you talk about it. Like, exactly. Being diplomatic would work, but I'm like, man, not always, but yeah, okay. things you can't be diplomatic about. Like, yeah, definitely. Racism is something you can't be diplomatic about. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you guys have any other questions for us? Yeah, actually. So in regards to like, you know, just how can we make people more informed? Like, for example, like about the hate crimes thing like that. How can we educate people not take out their frustrations? Like, mm-hmm. do you have like any tips or guidance that you want to like share with everybody? Well, I have one, It's which is actually the first step is about educating yourself, I think. Like, there are researches where you can learn about, you know, history of Asian American discrimination in the United States. Why not start with those? Because those kind of depicts or, like, you know, gives depictions on how, like, Asians have been, you know, going through these things, going through hate crime, and how, like, we as Asians could be, like, you know, could tell you guys, like, this has been going on in our society for a long time. And for you having that, you know, motivation or the ability to educate yourself, read stories, um, history books and texts about it, will give you an idea, like, these things are happening for a long time to educate yourself about it. And also, like, talk to somebody who's from, like, the Asian American community. Exactly. If it's your friend or someone... Yeah, have like an openly discuss anti-Asian bias, like art, like a basically a discussion about it. Talk about exactly. it with your friends because they will be truthful with you and vice versa. So like having that discussion with your friends from that community is really important. It is. It is. And I completely agree with Tanjin on that because, you know, I was going to add in the same questions and the same pointers. Um, also, you know, like the more you read, like, I feel like um, you need to read history and a lot of books and watch a lot of documentaries as to how these things actually transpired. Um, So, you know, the more you read, the more you talk, the more you do, you know, more research on it, it would definitely help you in gaining more knowledge. Um, For example, like, you know, myself and Tanjin being Muslims, you know, there are so many questions that we are asked as well. Like, for example, um, we are having a period right now called Ramadan. So we observe fasting. Like, we don't we don't eat or drink anything, um, uh, you know, uh, for a long period of time. So, you know, a lot of people ask us questions and I feel happy to answer them. I'm be like, you know, if you don't know about it, I can definitely tell you about it. And, you know. I feel like asking questions and having that dialogue is the first step to learning about stuff. So I feel like, and definitely I feel like uh, everybody should be working as a community, um, you know, working united, you know, um, and that is how we can actually bring, you know, make a better community all together. And also one thing I like to add from that, educating yourself with history books in Texas. I think the reason why we study history, so history don't repeat itself. So like educating yourself mm. with, you know, that educating yourself with Asian American crimes in America for like, you know, for a long time, because this has been going since the 1800s for sure. Um, and like just educating yourself with all that crimes and all that text and like realizing what 
like Asian Americans have been going through back then till now. I think to learn about those things, I think will sort of prevent, it's not like a full solution, but it will prevent history from repeating itself, for example. So like, mm-hmm. I definitely think that's what history is taught. Just so like we learn from our past mistakes, for sure. So that's why I definitely recommend people like studying these texts, for sure. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I can can count on you all to provide any sort of uh, helpful corrections as necessary too. Um, I know uh, one of my best friends is half um, half Chinese and half Vietnamese, and I see her go at people's throats all the time. <laughs> like I remember we were uh, we were in where were we? I think we were at the gym or something like that, and someone called her Oriental, and she lost her. She, she's uh, oh, first shit. of all. Oof. Yeah, I know, right? She's like, first of all, I'm not a fucking carpet. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love her so much already, and I don't even know her. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! And, uh, and another one of my friends, she's um, Palestinian, and someone had um, called her Arabic, and she's like, Arabic is a language. It's it's not a you know. So, but I I admire that because, and this is why going back to the whole not being afraid of conflict because again i bet you that person who called my friend oriental will never call anybody else oriental because if they didn't know before they know now oh yeah um i i grew up uh hearing that oh you're bengali you guys eat a lot of fish and i was like what why would uh, you of say all the things we get that too because people are like oh let me guess you want the chicken i'm like everybody loves chicken why oh the God. hell is this like a I'm black like, exclusive thing like, oh, like my friend my friend what me and her went to a barbecue and this woman asked her if she wanted watermelon and i'm just like she was like oh I don't <laughs> and i was like i love watermelon give me some and she was like and the white and the woman was like oh wait you don't like watermelon i thought you guys love watermelon i'm like you guys oh. no she did not say that <laughs> you guys no <laughs> like i had someone ask nobody me, can but... be that bold bro <laughs> my friend was like i need to leave now he's like, yeah <laughs> and, and here's the funny thing from my end the funny part is when people tell me that I just look at them and I say, uh, FYI, I don't even eat fish, so the joke's on you. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. all Bengalis eat fish. Like, stop. Like, seriously. <laughs> just stop. Like, oh what my like god. It? They would just be like crazy. And yeah. it's, like not, it's not like not it's like also not all African Americans like watermelon fried chicken. Like, stop assuming those either. Like, stop. Yes. Microaggressions. <laughs> All those little microaggressions. Like I, I went to a, a Thai restaurant, and uh, with my best friend, and they handed her some chopsticks and handed me a fork, and I was like, "Really? Is that how we're gonna do this today?" <laughs> you should have walked out. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get chopsticks. It's like what? How do you? How can people assume? Like you. That's why you should never assume things. Okay. Like always come. Always be open minded, especially when it comes to like these type of things don't assume a person can use chopsticks like assuming a person only like eating fish like you know so i think just to have teach ourselves to be open-minded not just assume things is like one of the biggest thing we need to do as a community because 
I honestly believe we have subconscious, like, it's like subconsciousness that we have to assume something about somebody. It's like in our subconscious, mm. which we need to stop doing that. And we need to teach ourselves how to stop doing that. When I meet exactly. somebody, we need to be clear. Like, I don't know this person. I don't know what they like. I don't know what they can do or not do. Like, have that thought first before be like, oh, this person could do this probably just because of the way they look. No, it's just all because it's based on your subconscious and you have to teach yourself not to think that way. To anybody who, who might hold some animosity towards the Asian community, what what would you say to them who, who blame this virus like on them or your, on your community? Like, what would you say to them? Well, I think like, okay, so like if somebody from the Asian community, like for example, like a South Asian is claiming an East Asian for the COVID-19 virus. As a South Asian person, we should inform our community that's not true. And like we have to you know, basically talk about where the virus came from, what started it, and how not to blame a Pacific community for that virus, because it's not their fault anybody could get sick. The virus could come from anywhere. Like, I feel like I had this discussion before with somebody, I just don't remember with who, for example, but I was teaching them, like, just because this, like, the virus started in this location doesn't mean they're the reason why it happened. It could have been in Bangladesh, for example, and would, like, you know, would, but, like, we could have got that end of the racism as well, where it could have started off in Bangladesh. It could have started, it could have happened in India. It could have happened in Pakistan. Who knows? But like, it happened in China, and like a location should not, you know, trigger that much harm to a person because of this one thing that everyone is going through. Because like anyone can get sick. This could happen anyway. But we have, we as ourselves, as South Asians, should educate our own people like our own people that that's you know that's not okay to be racist against the east asian because of this fact like because of this whole virus i think that's what i'm trying to say yeah it's crazy because even outside like you know southeast versus south asian like with the blame of the virus we're also seeing a lot of on the news with black people attacking asian people and for me black people have enough issues of their own we shouldn't be attacking any other race culture for especially for ignorant reasons like this. And why do you think there's tension between the black community and the Asian community? Hmm. I can name a couple in my, from like, from what I'm seeing, I think has to do with, you know, I think it just both have so many issues to begin with. And mm-hmm. like, I think, I, I, I don't know, like, I feel like there's like powers that are trying to keep us separate for some reason. Like, mm-hmm. we, I think, I, I think the majority is trying to keep the minorities separate because they know if the minorities all group together, like the majority will become a big powerhouse. Yes. 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 Good yes. job. Good that's, job. That's what <laughs> I think it's because like they want to keep the minority separate by saying, oh, this people, like these communities talking about that community, that community talking about that community. And that perpetuates hate against each other. And so like when like the big majority group is like, you know, basically leading that hate. So like to like to look good in front of their eyes, we hate on each other. And like, instead of working together, does that make sense? That makes perfect, beautiful. Perfect sense. Beautiful. But sometimes I go on and on and I was just like, what is the thought again? This is the thought I'm having. Yeah, so, so basically it's 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 a third party who puts us different communities against each other while they sit and watch back. Whereas we should actually, instead of fighting amongst each other, be united and show support for each other's communities. Uh, I think that's the biggest takeaway that we can do. <laughs> also, it's not like, and also right. like there is racism. I don't know if you ever heard of the show Patriot Act um, mm, with Hasan yeah. Minaj. 
He did episode on like basically BLM, and he basically talked about how there's also racism against African Americans in the Asian community as well, yes. which is so unfair mm-hmm. and uncalled for. And like, because like we're all going through the same racism basically. So like, why are we being a racist towards another community who's going through the same thing that we're going through? It's all because of like perpetuating and wanting to be white. I guess I think we have like a history. I don't. I mean, like I don't know if Destiny would agree with me or not. We have um, a history 100%. of wanting to be white. <laughs> You know, like what oh yeah, we definitely do. Definitely. Yeah, like I mean, we have like fairness cream, okay, in our countries because we wanted to be like fair, you know, because that's the ideal look. That whereas, you know, whereas statistically, just let me put it out there, statistically, South Asian countries population, you know, like they say that ninety percent of the population is brown skin, but the obsession of having white skin is so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say it is because of you know the past history that we have in terms of colonization. Um, you know, it it became more of a norm. Yeah, because yes, like, Tanji, you can go on. We were imperialized. <laughs> sorry, we were in, it, it was a little bit history here. We were imperialized by you know European countries. So that ideal of wanting to be white, that you know that is the ideal to be. So I think that also roots up in minor race, like basically subconscious racism against each other in the community. That's what I like to add. Absolutely. And I'll say even within the black community, um, skin tone, right, plays a role. I think that there's, for some people, there's a somewhat of a desire to be um, of lighter skin. Um, one of the reason being, it, it allows some people the opportunity to to sort of blend in or assimilate with the white culture. And hence, you know, the, the upbringing of, or the becoming of colorism, right? And is it the same thing you feel like within the Asian community? Like, do you think like skin shade plays a role in like um, socioeconomic status? Well, I think we, oh, Destiny, we did an episode on, um, what is it called, colorism in the South We East. did. And like, I think that like being fair plays a whole lot of, things like you know in our culture especially when it comes to like i think getting a job or like what we see in like you know entertainment or what we see in like you know someone trying to get you know even media representation yeah representation in your own country in your own country media representation is actually sometimes based on your skin color as well Oh yeah, for sure. And also like the idea of like you know dating even or trying to get married. They will Oh yeah. The first thing they were going to ask how fair, like can we get a fair girl? Can we get a girl who is like, you know, fair and white? That's the first question they're definitely going to ask. Then it's going to be like what's her socioeconomic class? Where like, you know, is she rich? Like that's another question they will ask. Then it's about education. So definitely being fair is like, basically in our culture or in our community is so important and I, I never understood why. But I think it has to do with like, you know, imperialism back then where like being, you know, fair and white is ideal. That's what you should go for. And that has been engraved in, you know, older generation brain to like future generation for a long time. But that's stopping now since now people are being aware of colorism and trying to, you know, talk about it more in the community. But I honestly believe that colorism has a lot to do with, you know, us. I seen it, I seen it firsthand growing up. Like fairness creams has been like such a big franchise product in our community just because you want to be fair to get that job to get that role to get married and stuff like that so it has been like influential in our life for sure in our community i like to say that's awesome you know as i'm listening to you i'm thinking you know um 
even more so why it's important to have these sort of discussions because as I'm listening to you talk, I'm starting to see the parallel between the two cultures, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there, there are more than enough differences. There's also a lot of similarities as well. Honestly, like if we have a discussion like this, like we're doing today, we're gonna realize how similar we are than different. If you think yes. Mm, I agree. I was gonna ask you that, like, you know, how can we slow down, you know, hate crimes? I don't think we can completely stop it altogether, but like, like you said, if we have more discussions with different people, it's not only that. I think if people stand up for other people, for example, if you're witnessing it and you step in, uh, or you try to, you know, be there for that person, I feel like it goes a long way and it shows a lot of support and solidarity, um, no matter who you are. Um, I feel like, for example, like we talked about the woman who got punched on her face and the doorman actually did not do anything while they were in the hotel and got caught in the tape and they were fired for it because they did not step in and help her. I feel like you, we are there if we are there in the situation, if we can step in and help, I feel like it would really um, kind of show that, you know, you cannot get away with things. You cannot just do things and get away with it um, and have dialogues, step in, work towards it. I agree with the Steve on that part. I think like definitely like helping out each other and being supportive for each other. I think it's the main thing because like if you're watching somebody, you don't know, go through this crime and where ourselves are silent about it, we're letting it happen to like not permanently because you can't permanently stop hate crime i don't like that's impossible but like to slowly decrease it as we go further into the future um like the way i think one of the ways definitely the biggest way we can do it is supporting each other like she said and you know if we see something that is wrong or we see somebody who's going through that thing we should stop them ourselves or get help or like find a way for that person you know, to not be victimized by that person. So like just helping out, it's the biggest thing we can do. Yeah, I remember a few weeks ago, I was talking to Craig and Cedric about the New York subway when some guy urinated on a girl. Oh, and I was, oh. yeah, I remember that. I was just like, oh, oh my God. At the time I was laughing, I'm like, wow, people have really lost their freaking minds. But then like, if I was there, I'll let him finish. And I'm like, take care of that. Cause like, you're not just gonna do that and walk away so freely. And I mean, people are able to record it. It's like, come on now. You gonna let him finish, Dave? <laughs> I'm not gonna let him piss on me. But <laughs> so why, like I, recording is important cause sometimes those recording helps you prove how that crime happened. But yeah. like, well, like if everyone is recording, who is helping out? Who's exactly, like not everybody needs their phone out. Somebody jump in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, for example, like, speaking of recording, I, I know it's kind of off topic and we're going <laughs> off, like, the time limit, I guess. Um, there was this case in India. I don't know if you read it. Um, a husband actually beat up his wife in front oh, of everybody, killed her, and he was walking around the city like nothing happened. And nobody, nobody stepped in. Oh, wow. Nobody cared. It yeah, we get recorded though. They must have recorded it, but they didn't do anything to stop it from happening. And he did it publicly. And what's the whole point so, of doing, like, what was the whole point huh? of what was the whole point of recording it? But the only reason why you were recorded to show that this is happening. But like, why won't you call the cops? Like first, like I think that's like the first thing you should do is like if you see someone getting beat up, you call the cops. Now pull out mm -hmm. your phone right away and start recording. What that's gonna do? That's not gonna solve anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I heard a quote a while back, um, and it's kind of an extreme case, right? Um, but this person said, when you witness um, something happening, something like a crime happening, and you have the ability to prevent it and you choose not to, then it becomes your fault, right? So if, I, if I'm sitting there watching, you know, some man, you know, beat on his, his wife or his partner or anyone, and I choose to do nothing about it, then in some ways, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm perpetuating the issue. And, and granted, right, I think that sometimes there's some skepticism with as far as like getting involved in certain situations, but, you know, doing something, right? Like if, if I'm sitting here getting beat up or I'm getting jumped or whatever, Craig, Dave, the one, somebody better call the police. Somebody better do something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you got to jump in and, but you know, <laughs> My best friend Daria, I love her so much, and she was like, "If somebody picks on you, I will rumble them." I'm like, "I." This is why I always call her first, because she would, she would definitely, you know, do something about it. You need to call <laughs> people that you know that would just jump into action without thinking about it. We got, yeah, we all got some friends like that. I know, I for sure, had some people in my life where I, we we're not just gonna sit. Like, if it was, especially with like family, if someone puts their hands on my sister, it's, it. it they're not just about to just walk away from this. Like, <laughs> we're going to make real orange juice out of this person. Like, we're going to fresh squeeze his ass. Like, we're not just going <laughs> to put your hands on my sister and think that it's okay to just walk away from this. Like, no. I know that there's some people that are actually are afraid to do anything about it. But, like, I feel like not all of them are. That's the thing. So, yeah, there are a few people that are afraid to do something about it, which I understand. But, like, I, I think like five out of 10 would do something about it, but they're not doing anything about it and they're not afraid. So right. that's something. So, cause I feel like you can use the argument like, oh, maybe she's afraid or maybe he or they, you know, whoever it is, is afraid to do something about it. That's fine, but not everyone is. You have to think like that. There are yeah. people who would stick up for somebody who would be like, call the cops right away and stuff like that. So where absolutely. are those people? That's the question. Uh, absolutely. Um, but you know, the sad thing is like, I remember, um, we call it hearing um, a statistic, or it was a statistic, but I remember them saying, um, it's if you're a woman and you're being assaulted, you're better off yelling fire than yelling like rape or help because people are more likely to respond, which to me is just that's, that's, that's it's bad. disheartening. That's really unfortunate. It's disheartening. Mm -hmm. But it shows it that is. some people, it's not that some people won't act, it's I think that some people don't care. They just, they don't think it's their issue. And so they just, they tend to ignore it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I hope it answers the question that you asked us. Oh, yeah, it did. <laughs> I'm kind of like, I'm still a little shook about the fire thing because I'm just like, damn, it just only takes the word fire just to get help, but not rape. Like, wow. That's a <laughs> lot about the community. Over like, it says a lot about our society overall, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did this. Um, it's a, it was a training to be like a, a volunteer domestic violence and um, sexual assault counselor um, for one of the county hospitals out here in Oakland. And um, that was one of the things that uh, um, was a topic of discussion, right? Like nobody wants to get involved, right? Um, everybody wants to, they, they'd rather pretend like something's not happening. And so they're like, yeah, you know, as a woman, you're more likely to, or someone is more likely to respond um, if you yell out there's a fire then there is help 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 which is it's just sad to me it's really sad 
I agree. Like, that's just disheartening for sure. As a woman, <laughs> yeah. Like, I cannot believe like that's our, like that's the world we live in. But it's, it's a sad truth. And I think slowly we're going to change that, hopefully. Because I do have an optimistic view of people changing for the better most of the time. And you, which is really hard because, you know, what's going on this year, it's really hard to believe that people are going to change for the better. I hope though, so because like we are learning from our mistakes, our past history, and stuff like that. So hopefully, people have gets the time to educate themselves to improve themselves. That's what I hope. Definitely, I'm trying to be hopeful. Trying、mm-hmm. to be hopeful. Although, when you hear about things, you know, some of these things that happen, right?、Um, people getting attacked.、Um, Places getting shot up. It it becomes challenging at times. I think the only way you can promote change is actually to be hopeful. Because without hope, I think nothing would ever change. Yeah. So it looks like we're about done. Ladies, you like to say、yes. last words. Last words. Well, thank you for having us on the show. It was a really productive discussion,、um, yeah. and I feel like I hope we all take something from here and. I hope our communities understand each other from here on and support each other.、Um, and you know, I like to look at positive things as much as you know. It's been a challenging year or two for all of us. Um, um, I think、uh, let's unite and support each other. Well, I like to end up saying like, thank you for having us on the show. We talked about so many important things that should be talked about, and also like having like that discussion between two different communities to realize that we are so similar in many different ways. To have that discussion will help with so many different things. You know how to like start this discussion like this. Talk about you know agent anti agent hate crimes, and also to learn from each other because I learned so much about you know that you know the African American community, the Black community, on what. They're going through and what their thought process is about all this. So, like, it's been like definitely an educational like discussion today, and I'm so grateful for that. Glad to hear that, Cedric. No, I, I again just really wanna, really wanna thank you all for being,、um, being our guest today.、Um, very helpful. I know we mentioned earlier how much of a challenge it was to, to find、uh, someone to cover this topic. You know. Partly because it, you know, it is a very sensitive topic to discuss, right? We, we try to be very, very mindful of like the, the guests that we have, and I, I don't think that we, I don't think that we could have had a better, better group of individuals、um, to have this discussion with than you two. So really appreciate all the insight. This was very, very informative. I think this was a great discussion. You, you two are very funny. And very smart. I just want to throw that out there. Like we were kind of worried about our personalities, not like you know meshing with each other. But、mm-hmm. I listened to your podcast before, and I knew it would work, especially the relationship podcast. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I was listening to it. I'm like, they're hilarious. <laughs> we're gonna get along just fine. We're gonna... I hope hilarious. A, I hope hilarious in a good way. Oh, it's in a good. Oh, way. I was, yeah, it was good. Oh, it's no, a good way. I know. Way. Like, I'm glad that someone is, else is enjoying my personality for sure. You're hilarious. Thank you. you. Really, <laughs> but、um, yeah, I, I enjoyed our discussion here, and、uh, maybe in the future we can get you guys back on. Oh my god, I would love. Cool. To we would love to be back on again. Maybe on video. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure> . <laughs> and for me, thank you, ladies, for 
joining us today. Really appreciate it. I know like schedules conflicted a couple of times, but you guys made the time for us. And as I can say, I'm really appreciative. We learned a lot from you guys. I hope you guys learned a lot from us. And hopefully we take our what we learned today and take it out to the real world. Here you go. Thank you. Thank you so much. And honestly, like I know, like I know we never met, but I just know like with three of you guys, I can totally be friends with because you guys are <laughs> and <hopefully> <laughs> No. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And it was so educational. So it, just, it gave me like a clear understanding about the different things that I wasn't aware of until today. I'm glad to hear that. That's all we're trying to do. Just educate people, just get our output out there. And just people can understand like through our minds what we see and what we're going through. Mm-hmm. And you, you all definitely um, kind of hold true to our mantra, comedy and consciousness. Right. Again, like we couldn't have had, couldn't have had better guests today. Thank you so much. Thank you. No problem. So this is season one of the Unforgivable Podcast. Um, we're your hosts. My name's Dave. I'm Cedric. I'm Craig. And see you guys next season. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Unforgivable Podcast. Make sure to visit us at the links below where you can follow us so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, please subscribe and hit the like button or tell your friends about the show as that would help us out too. See you next time.